On today's episode of the podcast, we are going to be hearing from our first ever children's book author. I had the pleasure to speak with Rajani LaRocca, where not only is she currently practicing medicine, but she writes award-winning children's books about amazing topics that all kids should definitely hear about, and a lot of STEM topics are included in those. She is excellent at making connections with the real world and making it relatable to kids in her stories and even by the way that she speaks. She has so much passion for what she does, and you can definitely hear it in her voice during this interview. We definitely had a great time chatting, and it'll be so much fun for you to listen to. Rajani LaRocca was born in India and raised in Kentucky and now lives in the Boston area. She's always been an omnivorous reader, and now she's an omnivorous writer of fiction and nonfiction, novels and picture books, prose and poetry. She even wrote a Newbery Honor winning middle grade novel in verse, Red, White, and Whole. She finds inspiration in her family, her childhood, the natural world, math, science, and just about everywhere she looks. We even talked about in here how she found inspiration from one of her books when she was walking her dog, which was so funny she said that because I also get a lot of inspiration for this podcast and a lot of products that I create for you guys when I'm also walking my dog. So there's a lot of power in walking the dogs in this podcast. Hey, and you might even be listening while walking your dog. If you don't have a dog, go get one. All the inspiration is there. I'm Like I said, I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode. It is definitely a good one. Welcome to the Elementary STEM Coach Podcast, a show that'll help you with lesson ideas, systems, and actionable tips to apply to your classroom. I am your host, Naomi Meredith, a former classroom teacher turned current STEM teacher and coach. With over a decade of experience teaching and a master's degree in STEM leadership, I am here to coach you throughout the year to help you gain back more time to create innovative experiences for your students. Grab your earbuds and let's get started. Well, thank you so much, Rajani, for being here. When you popped in on the call, I was admiring your beautiful background. And its I thought it was fake because they have like this beautiful symmetrical bookshelf behind you. It's glowing. It's like this aura of like STEM and beautifulness and books. And it's just so amazing. I love your background so much. And I love your energy already. So I know we're going to have a great time talking together. So thank you again for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So if you wouldn't mind telling us about yourself, your background, and then your experience, how those experiences have led you into children's STEM literature. I think you're going to be such a great guest for our teacher audience out there. We all love books. And so I'm just really excited about you sharing about yourself. Excellent. Um, So I'm Rajani LaRocca and uh, STEM Topics were actually my first love. I fell in love with math and science as a little kid. I read this book called Ouch, All About Cuts and Other Hurts when I was very young. And uh, it was kind of like a two-color, slightly illustrated book about all the stuff that happens in our bodies when we get like a little scratch or a little burn, that kind of thing. And I remember being fascinated by it. And I thought at the time that if I was this interested in what happens uh, in our bodies, that maybe I should go on to become a doctor. So from a very young age, I wanted to go to medical school or at least try. 
And that is what I ended up doing. So wow. I'm a, a in, yeah, I'm an internal medicine doctor. I take care of adults. I've been a primary care doctor for about a little over 20 years now. Wow. And I love it. Yeah. And, you know, and along with the science part of it, I also loved math when I was a kid. Um, I was one of those kids who would always be asking my parents to tell me more kind of like math riddles or puzzles. And I had an uncle in India, my dad's younger brother, who was like, he was the only unmarried uncle. So he used to hang out with the kids <laughs> and he used to tell cool us all uncle. kinds of math, math riddles and puzzles. And <laughs> one of the kind of logic puzzles he told us one time turned into my first picture book. I Ooh. thought of that. Yeah, I thought of that puzzle and I thought about what kind of character would need to solve that puzzle and how would a kid know how to solve that puzzle. And it turned into uh, Seven Golden Rings, A Tale of Music and Math. And it involves binary numbers, which cool. is so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. I love how you're like, you actually are living out your dream. Not a lot of people can say that. I always dreamed of being a teacher and then I did become a teacher. Um, I never knew I would become a STEM teacher. So that's a whole other journey. Um, and I, I, I think like you, I've always enjoyed science and math and hands-on creativity. And so it's just really exciting that STEM is something that younger children are being exposed to and interacting with. And I mean, in your profession, I'm sure you could see the importance of that and how that's really impactful for kids, just giving them that exposure. Like you had a cool uncle and everyone, not everyone has a cool uncle to do math riddles with. I don't. <laughs> I know. I know, right? That's one of the best kind of uncles. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't even, I don't think I really hung out with my aunts and uncles when I was younger, now that I think about it. But anyway, um, but I think that's just so important. I love like your primary role isn't a teacher, but you just see that importance with um, STEM and all of that. And so when it comes to art and science in particular, um, what kind of connections do you see that um, playing an impact in, for children and why those connections are important? Oh, that is such a great question. So to me, I feel like math and science are inherently beautiful. Mm. So I think that there is beauty in kind of nature. Uh, there's beauty in the way that things are uh, built from, you know, the smallest molecules kind of up to organisms. And uh, I find that endlessly fascinating. I also think that there is beauty and um, symmetry and just kind of wonder in math and science. So that's kind of all of the writing that I do for children comes from a place of joy. So I take the things that I find curious or interesting or full of wonder, and I try and put all of those feelings into books about these topics. And you know what's interesting is that I write nonfiction. Um, oh. So I wrote a book called The Secret Code Inside You, all about your DNA. That came out mm -hmm. in 2021. And then I have two more science nonfiction books coming out this year. Um, one is called uh, A Vaccine is Like a Memory, all about vaccines, the history of them, how they work and why they're important. And then another one is called Your One and Only Heart. And it is about the human heart and it's written in poetry. And oh. um what some, what's interesting is that The Secret Code Inside You is also written in poetry. That's rhyming poetry, which oh, is nice. not easy to do. No. Yeah, not easy to do with a nonfiction topic. <laughs> yeah. But only many years after I wrote this book and it refused to unrhyme itself, I really tried yeah. to yeah, not right. rhyme it. It was only many years later that I realized that the reason why my brain was rhyming it is because the nucleotide base pairs in DNA always pair up the same way, A and oh. T and C and G. And then I was like, oh, that's like rhyming lines. 
So I think to me, I feel like there is poetry in science. And that's why the two things come together. That's a really cool way of thinking that because I can think of so many kids and even teachers, they say, I hate math. Math isn't for me. It's boring. It's not very exciting. But the way that you describe it, it is. It's how our world works. Everything connects together. Um, Like with any career, especially more of the careers that are coming up in the future, like more and more STEM anyway, you're going to have to have some STEM skills. So that's a really cool way of thinking about it. Um, Really with that growth mindset too, just reframing the way you think about these complex ideas. It doesn't have to be overly complicated. It is beautiful. And just understanding it from a different lens can be so impactful. And I love how like with your nonfiction topics, you're making it beautiful with poetry because also it's those are hard topics to talk about, especially with kids. Those are some hard things, like complex things to think about. It's not impossible, but that's just a really cool way that um, kids can connect to the story and maybe be like you one day and, oh, this is going to inspire me to be a doctor or all sorts of different cool things. So that's a really cool perspective to think about the world around us. That's a really neat connection, actually. <laughs> Thank you. I once had uh, earlier this year, uh, I read my picture book to a group of first graders. And one of the first graders had a question that I thought was so great. He said, how big is an elephant's DNA? Ooh, what's the answer? And I said, <laughs> I said, well, how big do you think it is? And he said, I think it has really big DNA because it's a really big animal. Ah. And then we had this whole discussion about how DNA, the DNA molecules are the same size, no matter whether you're a person or a mouse or an elephant. And it, you know, the number of genes varies. And I said to him, I I didn't know the answer to this, but this is another great kind of teaching point is that sometimes you don't know the answer, but you can make an educated guess and then you can go look it up, right? You can go find the place where the answer is. And I said, I don't know for sure how many genes uh, elephants have, but I'm pretty sure that we have more than they do Ah. because we know complicated, right? And he was just like, whoa. And I said, why don't you go and see if you can find out how many, like how much DNA an elephant has. But I said, the molecules are all the same size. It was so interesting. Yeah, that is such a, that's a really deep conversation for first grade. (laughs) Right? Right? That was amazing. Yeah. Anything with animals though. I mean, I love, I love first grade content. I don't love first grade as an age. They're my hardest age to teach, but they're, they're very quiet. They have a lot of questions or like their own little things, but yeah, anything you can connect with animals, especially they just love that. They eat it up. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the other kind of thing you could think about is like, if you were going to design an animal, And you kind of figured out what you wanted the animal to be good at. How would you design them? And then you can kind of look at, um, you know, animals that already exist and kind of see how the way they are made up has to do with what they have to do. And then you can apply that to anything. So now you're going to make an airplane. How are you going to design your airplane? Like what kind of things would be important? It's so, it's endlessly fascinating to me. Yeah. Oh, that's a great, that is a great STEM project right there. That is so good. I love it. Any age could do that actually. And that's, I mean, even think about biomimicry and how we can even look at things that, um, how we can design all the different stuff out there. I was reading all about biomimicry and it's just so interesting 
Um, like there's a whole like wetsuit that's designed after shark skin because it keeps like the germs away in the water. Um, so just so fascinating what the world has that we can learn from um, with our inventing. Um, so think I love, like you said, you, you're a doctor, you're practicing, you write these children's books. So what, like with your experience and with that connection, uh, what types of impacts do you think children's literature can have on STEM education? Because oftentimes people think, oh, you're a STEM teacher. You don't read books to kids. Like this isn't, you don't have to read. I know your face, you're like, that's not true. But um, how do you think those connect together? Oh my goodness. Okay. So, you know, what's really interesting to me is that, um, you know, I'm not an educator, but I have (laughs) children Yeah, and I definitely have one child that was all about nonfiction. Just give me the Mm -hmm. facts. Like, just come on. Like that's, that was his favorite thing to read. And then I have another child who is all about stories. Like she just loved novels and stories and all those kinds of things. And she just, you know, she loved thinking about different worlds, that kind of thing. So I think the way that literature can help with STEM education is that it can be kind of the gateway. If mm. you're, you know, if you're interested in stories and in fiction, but there is there are STEM topics in that fiction, then it gets kids interested in those topics without having to say, now we are going to learn about this, you know? Mm-hmm. And then similarly, if there are kids who are like, you know, I'm not really interested in reading about a made up thing. I want to know about the real world that we live in and kind of maybe think about potentially future things yeah. that might happen. There's a whole, there's a wealth of nonfiction um, titles for kids. And so that's also exciting. And that's also reading. That is also literacy. Um, so yeah, I think that there are just kind of many ways to get kids interested. And then, you know, the other thing that I haven't mentioned is mm-hmm. uh, nonfiction biography. So history and mm-hmm. STEM, and it's really cool. And I, I think, you know, now is a particularly um, ex- exciting time to be reading these kinds of things and to be teaching these topics, because there are so many awesome biographies out now. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with you. I and it's funny, as a kid, I was like your daughter who loved all the fiction reading. And I've always loved math and science, like I said, but I wasn't really into the nonfiction. Um, But now as an adult, I really enjoy nonfiction. And I I still love fiction. I read a lot, but um, there is just so powerful. And you kind of need a balance of both um, because there's importance in both. And I absolutely agree. In my classroom, my my kids read a lot. Um, they, They were actually very surprised coming into my room. Like, why are we reading? Oh, it's STEM. I know. We ha- we have to understand the topic so that our projects make sense. We're not just going to randomly create something. We actually have to have some knowledge about the topic and some research yes. because it won't connect together the way that you think it does. Like that background knowledge is really important. You probably read a lot in your job still, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yes, I have to. Yes, I'm, I'm required to, which is good yeah. to keep yeah. up on the kind of latest medical advances. Absolutely. Um, mm. And it's good. It's good. I won't say that that reading is the most exciting reading, yeah. but it's important reading. And, you know, the, the other interesting thing is that there's a whole kind of part of medicine kind of thinking about people's stories and how important those are in what we do um, mm. called narrative medicine. And Ooh. that's also really exciting. So that involves reading, but also writing um, kind of uh, how you feel as a doctor and like what it's like to treat people in a situation and also listening and thinking about their stories. Because when people come into your office, they're mm. telling you a story, whether mm-hmm. or not they're aware of it. They're telling you their kind of point of view on what is happening. Oh, that is so good that you said that. That's a huge thing too, is having the empathy 
like thinking through that lens of other people. Like we're not just creating just to like, oh, we just made something, but what is the human experience? That's the whole goal. We're trying to help people with all these things. That's what we're really hoping kids to do, to be empathetic and thinking of the others. That's hard. That's hard for a little person. They, My kindergartners, I'm trying to have them not pee their pants. Like they're thinking about themselves, but <laughs> like that's a big, big deal. But think, thinking about others, like that's so, I'm so glad that you said that because that's a huge goal. We want our little kids to be great humans their whole lives. So um, I think that's really powerful. When you talk about those stories out there, um, so you talked about those narrative biographies, are there other things that kids should be exposed to and other types of stories you think would be impactful? Um, I know your stories are super great and they're rooted in nonfiction, but just what types of things should kids be exposed to to help them with just where they're at in STEM? So, you know, one of the things that's interesting uh, to me is making sure that children get a wide variety of uh, different types of books, not just nonfiction versus fiction, but who is telling the story? Um, why are they telling the story? And what kind of people um, do we know about from history? And what kind of people do we not know about? So yeah. the exciting thing about nonfiction right now, at least nonfiction biography, is that a lot of people who made significant contributions to science, but happened to be women or happened to be mm-hmm. from different you know, other parts of the world, not the Western world, and never were kind of like known for these yeah. things. People are telling those stories. And that's really exciting because you know what? Science and math was not just invented by men and it was not just invented by the Western world. There was a lot of knowledge for a long time, for thousands of years before Europe even came, you know, into the picture, let alone the United States. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of fascinating things to be learned from ancient cultures and from women who didn't always have a clear path to a career in a STEM field, you know, who really had to fight, who many times were just told no. So they just went off and did what they could do while they could do it. So it's, I think those kinds of things are really important too. When I was growing up, basically what I like, what the world was telling me without telling me was that basically white men invented everything. And that's just not the truth. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's what's that's the other thing that's really exciting is that now we're looking kind of for unsung heroes, unsung scientists and mathematicians. Are there any um, specific like women you can think of, like stories that are like just super amazing to you? Um, Okay, hold on. I just have to tell you, I, I, I found that I just read this book called The Fire of Stars. Um, and it is, um, it is, it is an incredible book. It is a nonfiction book about, uh, the life of the astronomer Cecilia Payne. And it is combined with, it is told at the same time as the story of the birth of a star. Oh, interesting. It's amazing. So the art is incredible. So it's Kirsten Larson is the author and the uh, illustrator is Catherine Roy. And so it tells the story of the birth of this kind of wonderful astronomer at a time when there were no female astronomers. And she was amazing. And in parallel, it tells the story of how a star, a literal star is born. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, you're like up your alley of that poet, like that, like beautifulness of like the real life and the like beauty of it. That's like totally, you're like, oh, this is my kind of book. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. It's um, it's just absolutely beautiful, and the writing is beautiful. The art is beautiful. It is impossible to not be 
fascinated by it. And there's so many layers. I read it. I mean, it is a picture book. I read it like three times. And then I was like, now I'm going to put this aside. I'm going to think about it for a while. And then I'm going to read it again. There are just so many different layers. It's amazing. When you have your books that you've written, you have a whole variety of topics. How have you found your inspiration for those? Like what made you think that, oh, this would make a great book for kids? Like what helped you be inspired? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of times the inspiration comes from my own life, right? So there was that math puzzle that my uncle told me and that I, I mean, he told it to me when I was like eight yeah. or nine and I never <laughs> forgot it. That's and I was cool. like, Ooh, how, how, so I set a story in ancient India about a kid who knows a lot about music and he saw parallels between music and this kind of puzzle that he had to solve. And yeah. it was really fun. Um, the DNA book, um, came to me because I was walking my dog I was walking <laughs> along and I thought, like, look at that little guy. He's so cute and fuzzy and he is not at all like me. And then I was like, isn't that interesting? And then this kind of line came inside, you know, into my head saying, there's a secret code inside you, a code called DNA. And I was like, oh, okay. I think that's something. And so then I wrote a whole book about that. And it starts with why animals are who they are and why we are who we are. And it goes on from there. It's so fun. Um, And then uh, the vaccine book, I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was inspired because I got my first COVID vaccine. I'm yeah. as a doctor, I got it in January of 2021, and I was so grateful. Yeah, I live with elderly parents, and I was like, oh my goodness, thank goodness. And then it got me thinking about, well, how did like I mean, I've been giving vaccines and getting vaccines my entire life, but how yeah. did they how did they first get discovered? And I went and did a bunch of research. It was huh. fascinating to me. Cool. Do you know why we call them vaccines? I have no idea. I'm learning a lot right now. <laughs> They, that comes from the Latin word vaca, which means cow, because one of the first vaccines that were developed was they realized that if they gave people cowpox, which is a very mild illness, that they couldn't get smallpox. So they took oh. cowpox sores and inject them into people and they got cowpox and it was a very mild illness. And then they Whoa. never could get smallpox, which was so cool. So well, that's, that's where that came from. That's really good. That's actually really, yeah. really, that's an ultimate science experiment right there. <laughs> I know, a little, little scary for the time, but yeah. hey, it was better than getting smallpox. <laughs> yeah. um, yes, and then and then your one and only heart, which is the book about the the heart. For years, I wanted to write a book about the heart because I thought it was so cool. It's so interesting, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's something that we're kind of aware of all the time, but do we really know how it works? Mm-hmm. And for years, I was I wasn't sure how to get all this information into a book. And then one day, I literally woke up and I said, "It's poetry." And yeah. so there are contrasting poems. Um, cool. So the heart is, you know, it's like singular and it's cooperative, right? It's part of a team. It's it's electric and muscular. It's, you know, constant cool. and variable, all these things. So each each kind of concept has a poem. And I was like, that's it. I, that, that To me, science is poetry. So there, mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah. And then my other books that have math and science in them, yeah. I just put them in them because I love them. Yeah. My, yeah. My, my fiction <laughs> books that have math and science. I'm like, well, I love math and science. Yeah. So I think the kids in this, this book should also love math and science. I think you're a real teacher at heart, Rajani. You have that passion. You're good at connections. Like this is what we do all the time. We make connections to real world things. Like you could totally teach in a classroom. I think you'd be okay. I, I just love your passion oh. for this. <laughs> 
You're very kind. You were very, you all do so much more than that, but I do love talking to kids and, yeah. you know, for the, for the short amount of time that I'm in front of them, I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> oh, I'll have to have, have you come in mind. Cause you're great. Listen, I just like love, you're just taking what and you're, you're willing to learn. Like that's the cool thing too. You are willing to research more and how to make that like relatable for a kid to understand. And we need to hear like perspectives from people who aren't just teachers. Like I have a very one perspective. I'm the gateway to help kids learn more things, but I don't know everything. And I tell them that I don't know everything. <laughs> like I'm willing to learn. We'll Google things together, but I think that's really cool how you're still learning um, to help you um, inspire you for these books. And I also get tons of ideas walking my dog too. I totally right? can relate. <laughs> Yes, the dogs are very inspiring. They are. It's just those cute little paws. You're like, oh man, I get all the ideas. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, you mentioned the books, um, kind of, and I'll list all of them in the show notes for teachers because I know they'll want this in their classroom. Um, but where can teachers find your books and connect with you to learn more? Yes, you can find all the information about me and my books on my website, www.rajnilaraka.com. So it's R-A-J-A-N-I-L-A-R-O-C-C-A. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram uh, as well. But the website's the easiest. And then you can find links to all my books and they're available everywhere. So um, yeah, and I love connecting with teachers. Teachers are heroes to me, Uh honestly. Yeah. Well, right back at you here in the medical field. I feel like we kind of can, we have similar mindsets in a way. We're in the business of helping others. And so um, funny, my, this is a side note, my DJ for my wedding coming up. Um, so my fiance is a teacher and he, we told him, oh yeah, we're teachers. He's like, oh, this is going to be a great party. Teachers and people in the medical field and nurses, they know how to party. So I feel like that's why we're getting along very well. <laughs> That's excellent. I I agree. We do know how to party. Yeah, we do. <laughs> There's a lot of dancing, I hope. So yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much again for your time and your expertise and your passion for STEM and inspiring children around the world. It's just really amazing what you're doing um, with your passion and just inspiring kids. That's just, just so amazing. And um, I can't wait to read more of your upcoming books. Thank you so much for having me. I And thank you for uh, teaching kids and for inspiring teachers. This is so wonderful. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and one last thing. You have a podcast. I do. It is called the STEM Women in Kidlet podcast. Perfect. So it is all about women who have a background in a STEM field who then went on to write and or illustrate books for kids. Okay, so cool. We had some yeah. amazing guests. Yes. All right. Perfect. Our, yeah. Our audiences will be, that'll be up their alley for sure. <laughs> well, thank you so much again. And we will definitely chat soon. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Elementary STEM Coach Podcast. I would love to connect with you over on Instagram at Naomi Meredith underscore or send me an email to elementary STEM Coach Podcast at gmail.com. Also, make sure to check out my website, NaomiMeredith.com, to see all the show notes from today's episode and shop my K-5 STEM resources. Any questions you have, needs for resources, or ideas for episodes, get in touch. I'll talk to you soon.